Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Good evening, Victoria. Thank you for joining me here on this, what is it, episode 79 Fifth Estate Podcast for Sunday, 30th of October, 2022. Uh, thought I'd kick this uh, episode off with uh, something that I hope why, why, you know, gets people to think uh, about the stories that were being told uh, by the different parts of the uni party. Uh, we're told that uh, we have to move to quote-unquote clean green energy when we know it's not clean it's actually dirty green energy uh it's also not renewable uh and and all that so anyway uh we're supposed to transition to that uh to save the environment etc etc because there's too much carbon there's too much this there's too much that and all that sort of guffawful now if that is genuinely the case can someone please tell me why the uh, Albanese government has decided to cut $250 million uh, of funding from carbon, catcher, carbon capture and storage projects. Now, remember that supposedly carbon is the big nasty thing, that there is too much of it in the environment. So why are we taking funding away from that and why are we expecting um, industry to do it alone? Uh, now, to be clear... I do think that industry should do it itself. There shouldn't be government funds because the more government money, the more money the government spends, the more money they have to take from us, uh, steal from us or whatever it is that they do because uh, we don't give it over freely. So they take it and they force us to hand it over, et cetera, et cetera. Now, now that being said, with what they're doing, we've been told that it is to save the environment. So why would they be doing this uh, you know, why would they be deciding that, no, we're not going to do that if it's to save the environment? Now, according to uh, Geoscience Australia, so this is an Australian government website, carbon capture and storage. Uh, technologies such as... Uh, okay, what is CCS? Okay. That's, that's a page I was looking for. Uh, what is carbon capture and storage, CCS, sometimes referred to as carbon capture, reutilisation and storage, CCUS, takes carbon dioxide, CO2, captured from the burning of fossil fuels, which I disagree with that term, and other sources, such as from cement production and steel manufacture, and injects it deep into the ground in the tiny pore spaces present, present between... Grains in sedimentary rocks such as sandstone. Typically, depths of storage are around two kilometres underground. Uh, CO2 is a greenhouse gas that occurs naturally and it is also emitted as a result of human activities such as burning fossil fuels, agriculture and other industries. Blah, 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 blah. Now, this is interesting. Remember that this says, uh, where is it, and other sources such as cement production and steel manufacturer. Now, how much cement and steel is Dan going to use uh, constructing his suburban rail loop? How much is he going to use building all his tunnels? How much is he going? How much carbon is going to be out there uh, 
building all his hospitals and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so that's the thing. Now, there's also um, not only carbon capture programs, but there's uh, something that I've been hearing about, uh, which is um, is it graphene? Uh, crown unpausing graphene for CO2. Uh, so there's a whole lot of stuff that can be done, um, such as uh, the world's thinnest graphene filter and its use in carbon capture. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff that can be used uh, for that. Now, hang on, I have a sneeze coming. Hang on, folks. Oh, boy. Um one of those things about trying to do uh, podcasts in one take. Anyway, um, so sticking carbon in the ground isn't the only thing that we can do. There are talks about, um, m- you know, moving it into other forms and all that sort of stuff. So if the government is, as if, as we're being repeatedly told that the environment's at stake and we have to do this and we have to transition away from coal because there's too much carbon in the atmosphere. Why? Why, 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 why? Why are they taking money away from these projects? Now, I hope that y'all realise that this has nothing to do about the environment and this is all about control. So once people are on these different uh, electricity programs, etc., etc., the government can control you. So... For example, let's say you've got solar panels on your house. It's enough to power your house during the day because no one's home. There's only enough, you know, only trickle energy used for whatever product. If you haven't brought a battery, then the electricity is not being generated at night time. So let's say you have to rely on the state to fund your electricity. What they can then do is turn around and say to you, well, you can't run your air conditioner on that day. You can't have your air conditioner set, what is it, above, um, below 20, let's say 23 degrees because I think it's supposed to be 24 in summer and 18 for the heating or some something like that. I can't remember what it is. Anyway, they'll turn around and dictate to you what you can do, what temperature. We've seen this overseas in California. We've seen this in um, other parts of the United States. I mean, have a look at Europe. Europe is in the middle of or what is coming to be a deadly winter. Why? Because people do not have the, there is not the energy uh, production there and people can't afford it because of the uh, growing or increasing cost of living prices for everything. So um, this is the thing. It's all about control. It has nothing to do with saving the planet, saving the environment or anything like that. Uh, So yes, um, hope people can um, start to wake up um, for that one. Now, what else is there? There is a couple of others. Uh, Now, uh, no, 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 no. Okay, so we know that um, the Andrews regime and certain um, authoritarian left members are intent on destroying families, destroying schools uh, and traumatising our kids and, uh, you know, call it like it is, grooming our kids. Um, We've seen that um, 
you know, the Andrews government or Andrews regime needed the support of Fiona Patton for some bullshit legislation that they wanted to, to ram through Parliament. So they promised her that there would be a 100 metre um, exclusion zone around abortion clinics. Uh, then they've decided that they need more of her support. So they got into bed with her and supported her sex work decriminalisation. Now, that being said, I don't disagree with sex work being decriminalised and all that sort of stuff. What is concerning for me is an article in the Herald Sun from, uh, what's that, Friday, that says Victorian councils powerless to refuse brothels home-based prostitution. Sex workers are set to ply their trade next to schools and churches in free-for-all with rules on where brothels can operate being stripped back. Uh, so, this, this is something that, that is evil. Um, yeah. Actually, I think I ranted about this the other day. But anyway, even I'm pretty sure I did. Um, so my bad there, um, repeating something, but yeah, it's just something that I think we need to talk about. We need to have, um, you know, uh, make it an opposition. Now, speaking of, of the Reason Party and uh, it's Fiona Patton, it's leader Fiona Patton, she wants to end the war on drugs and allow Victorians to grow weed at home under a radical policy shake-up. Uh, so... Um, Reason Party leader Fiona Patton will push for controversial legislation to overhaul the way Victoria handles illicit drugs if re-elected to Parliament on November 26. Uh, Policies included in the bold agenda would also require every Victorian police officer to carry medication that reverses drug overdoses, while music festivals and major events would have designated pill testing tents. Um, Ms Patton said all members of the state's state's police force should carry naloxone a nasal spray that temporarily blocks the action of opioids and reverses overdoses, allowing the affected person to breathe again. Um, why? Uh, I know for certain this would save lives, but it would be cheaper than ambulance call-outs, she said. Um, why? Why? Why, you know, who's going to pay for that? Obviously we are because we're the taxpayer and we have to fund it. Um, yeah, just... Shows you how evil these people are. But though, now remember that being said, uh, from the anarchistic point of view that I subscribe to, I do believe that these drugs should um, be off, uh, the, the possession of them should be de- decriminalised. Now, where I, dis- uh, where I differ with these people is that uh, I don't think that this should happen yet because there's not enough of a support network and there's not enough um, societal support to, you know, to uh, slow down or to, in event, uh, pre- prevent these people from using these substances in the first place. I mean, you have a look at it. You know, they've essentially killed every social event or, or social community group or anything like that that people would go to uh, to you know, to have a sense of belonging, to, um, you know, to feel like family and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, th- there's only a handful, handful left. Um, so, you know, w- without those things in place, I don't think that we should be decriminalising drugs. Now, but there are other things that we should be doing first rather than that 
And, yeah, so um, it, it's the thing. Once again, uh, these people are evil. Oh, speaking of evil, um, the next one, watermelons are pushing for a four-day work week. Um, a $660 million fund would support Victorian public service workers, businesses to try out a four-day working week. Uh, those with a turnover below $50 million would be eligible and the money would be used to increase to employ more staff in frontline areas or to upgrade technology that would support the trial. Uh, businesses would re- be required to ensure workers do not lose pay entitlements and would have to receive either a reduction in hours or for part-time staff a matching pay rise. Um, Female-dominated workplaces would be prioritised and the trial would take place over two years. Um, This is from the watermelons. Um, Yeah, yeah, you really have to wonder what these people are thinking. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Um... Mm. Uh, anyway, it, it, it just baffles me um, and we know that unfortunately the Labor Party is looking towards uh, to being uh, reinstated uh, at the next election, which means that we're doomed, honestly. So I would be getting prepared for a lockdown uh, late November, early December. The pandemic declaration will be... Um, Redeclared, uh, and the bullshit starts all over again, and we'll be going through that crap for the next four years. The other thing that I, you know, is likely to continue for the next four years is uh, the Andrews regime's support for the CFMEU. Now, Treasurer Tim Pallas has, uh, where was it? He attended some function. Uh, there you go. Victorian Treasurer Tim Pallas was guest of honour at a CFMIU organised event attended by controversial union leader John Setka, head of which the union boasted that billions of dollars of work would flow to its members and affiliated builders. So the uh, CFMMMEU is pushing uh, or, or coercing all members to vote Labor because there'll be enough construction work with a reinstated uh, Labor government for the next 30 years, so they say, uh, and that's what you need to do. You need to vote Labor in uh, to, you know, to ensure that you're in work because if you vote Liberal, then the Liberals are supposedly going to audit everything and we know that the Andrews regime and the union movement in general hate having the spotlight shone on their activities. So this is why they're pushing that one. Uh, you know, we, and especially with the uh, the UFU having a crack at Andrews, I think Andrews is looking for as much support as he can get, and he knows he'll get that from the CFMEU. Oh, but anyway, so is you know, it's a thing. Never a dull moment in Victoria. Um, now, the two final things that I wanted to, to rant about, no. A short episode tonight, uh, looking at the time. Oh, well, anyway, um, get through these. If I get it done in, in the next couple of minutes, then so be it. A uh, bit of a ranty one. It is Sunday. Uh, sadly, I have to go to work tomorrow. Uh, I've got things to do. Uh, but then I will be having Tuesday off. Um, so there is likely to be 
a shift in timing for the podcast. I want to do these, uh, get these podcasts released in the morning. So, that, you know, there'll be one uh, or recorded in the afternoon and released the next morning or um, record, recorded and released early evening. Um, these late night ones are starting to get a bit to me. Anyway, moving on to other things. Uh, once again, we're told that Victoria Police is there to protect us and my continuing question is, who is going to protect us from Victoria Police? Now, the reason I start with that one is that uh, two men were rushed to a, to a hospital in critical condition where one later died. This is after a brawl erupted outside of McDonald's uh, in Melbourne. Uh, it says here, watch the horror moment, a bloody brawl erupts outside a Melbourne McDonald's as the entire city is rocked by a night of violence with one man stabbed to death and seven in hospital. Um, so where were Victoria Police all through this? Nowhere. Um, you know, they came in after the fact and this is what we all, everyone needs to uh, remember and be aware of is that Victoria Police is only there to respond to crime. Yes, they may by patrol prevent or delay it or whatever it is, but the only way to prevent these things happening is for you because you are the first responder. You are the one that has to take responsibility for your safety. Um, and honestly, I would be avoiding nightclubs. I would be avoiding the city like a plague um, with all the crap that's going on in there um, and how things are going at the moment. Be avoiding it like a plague uh, for that one. So, yeah. You know, this is a thing. Um, seven people ended up in hospital. I mean, how worse, how bad is it going to get under the, um, you know, under a, a new uh, or a reinstated Andrews regime? I, I think it's going to get substantially worse. Um, you know, you will literally be taking your life in your hands if you walk anywhere through the city um, for that one. So, yeah, it's... It, it's yeah, it, it's something that we do need to be aware of. Um, more police is not the solution. Um, I think that you know it should be up to the population to decide what they're going to accept and what they're not going to accept. And if they are going to accept this, then so be it. You you've made that bed. Time for you to lie in it. Now, the the final thing I want to uh, end this one on is another uh, sad depressing uh, article from the Herald Sun. It says, hundreds of police corruption complaints are not investigated. More than 1,000 reports of corruption within Victoria Police are made each year, but only a tiny number are actually investigated. Uh, if you go down, uh, corruption watchdog Robert Redlick uh, has revealed that up to 1,400 reports are being made to IBAC about police every year, but just 2% of complaints are even investigated. It means... Of the 1,400 reports to the uh, International Broad-Based Anti-Corruption Commission, just 28 are investigated. Uh, so it's you know, that is absolutely disgusting. Um, so what happens with those other ones is that they're kicked back to Victoria Police to investigate. Now, we know or we should believe that... Uh, more likely or more often than not, Victoria Police will find no fault at whatever it is or they'll just cover it up or it'll be hidden on um, all that sort of stuff. So it's the thing, um, you know, as I've said before and asked that question a number of times, who's there to protect us from Victoria Police? 
uh, IBAC and the Ombudsman and the Attorney General aren't going to do it uh, because they're in cahoots or they're, um, ham, you know, um, ham, hamstrung? No, it's not hamstrung. What is it? They have their hands to hide behind their ba- tied behind their back uh, due to the way legislation is and funding and all that sort of stuff to uh, make sure that the Andrews regime is squeaky clean. But anyway, guys, um, as I said, a bit of a short one tonight, a um, bit rambly tonight, uh, but yeah, I don't know, man, you, you, this is what's happened. I'm, I'm not polished, never claimed to be. Uh, this is more about me just talking to a microphone, going through some of the things. Um, there is... Uh, something that uh, I'm, I'm trying to get through, which is the Reignite Democracy Australia uh, recording with um, Bernie Finn and um, Morgan Jonas and the people from One Nation, United Australia Party and Family First. I think that was it. Oh, and um, uh, the Liberal Democrats, David Limbrick, um, for that one because there's supposedly some curly bits that, that happened during that uh, session. So I want to get them recorded and have a talk about them in an upcoming episode. Um, But one thing that I did find nice and uh, interesting to know was that, uh, you know, David Limbrick is trying to talk about the LDP being all about liberty and he happened to to say that he has never defined himself as a conservative. Um, my view is is that he's not, and he, you know, he's admitted that he's not. Uh, also, don't think that he's a libertarian either. He might be classical, have a classical liberal focus, though. I do believe more often than not, his view is socialist, uh, and that's you know uh, something that I think people should be aware of um, when they're you know uh, trying to. to paint the Liberal Democrats as, as being something that they're not. Uh, so, yeah, but as I said, that's coming up in a, in a future episode. Uh, I need to get through watching it. But anyway, folks, thank you for listening to this one. Um, look forward to having you join me in the next one. So until then, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases... We'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check.